You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Merry Christmas and welcome to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about Frozen and we're so happy you're unwrapping the Disney One by One podcast on Christmas Day with us. Remember, you can find the show everywhere on the internet at Disney One X One. If you could please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love to see that. And of course, now that Disney Plus is out, you have no excuse not to go back and listen to our catalog and uh, watch the old movies along with us. So with that, I'll bring in my co-host and brother, David Rolfing. David, welcome back to Disney One by One. The the Elsa to my Anna. Yes, there we go. Finally, a sibling one. For those listening to this, yesterday we would have spent... Uh, Christmas Eve morning at Dave and Buster's. So I'm excited for my future self to have gone to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> yes, we are recording this prior to Christmas, just uh, full disclosure. But we did talk in great detail about our Dave and Buster's tradition on our Wreck It Ralph episode. So if you want to hear yep. about that, you can listen to that. And joining us this week, a returning special guest. You heard him on. I did not look this up. You were on Melody Time. Hang on. No, Make Mine Music. Make Mine Music. And uh, Oliver and Company. And Oliver and Company. Forrest Hughes, welcome back That's to Disney right. One by One. Hey, everybody. I think you should tell people that you were recording this on Christmas morning before <laughs> opening presents, before <laughs> spending time with family. Yeah, that would be dishonest. We're, we're it's close. Fun. It's currently uh, mid-December, I'll just say that. We're, we're rolling right along through these movies. Forrest, it's Christmas. What are you doing right. today? What, what, are your, what, what are your Christmas traditions? Well, my family has a lot of traditions. I think our most interesting one uh, takes place Christmas Eve, as a lot of people do. Uh, we, we call it the, uh, the creation of the Sinigu, uh, which began as an accident and has now turned into a, a, a yearly tradition. We, one year, we were trying to make this dish that it, it's like monkey bread, basically, and we overfilled the pan with dough. And so we woke up in the morning and it had looked like a chia pet of dough had exploded in our oven. Um, and it was everywhere. But if you could get through kind of the stuff that has touched the outside, you got to this amazing gooey middle that was just one of the best things you've ever had. So now on Christmas Eve, we pull up Facebook live stream. We have this whole assembly line going. There are people juggling dough balls as we're putting it through this assembly line of butter and cinnamon. And we fill this massive pot with these cinnamon doughy biscuits so that in the morning we have an overflowing that we call Cinegu. Nice. <laughs> What's a Facebook live stream? What's that for? Yes. We, uh, we just, uh, the last two years we've, st- <laughs> we've just begun streaming the whole thing on Facebook live. Oh, and- so you're all together. Oh yeah. But you the just go live together. on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's usually manning the camera and that's our most notable memory. Do you have to clean the oven afterwards like that? Big? Oh, Definitely. It's pretty massive. <laughs> it's pretty massive. Forrest, one random thing I just thought of when thinking yeah. of your family is you guys have an elaborate method for, for analyzing and critiquing and rating pizza restaurants. Can you tell, us, tell, tell me a little bit about that? Maybe 15 years ago, uh, my dad created this standard by which uh, we were going to grade and rate pizzas pizza restaurants around St. Louis with the purpose of finding the best pizza in St. Louis. And so he came up with this um, 10 category, one to five um, ranking scale that ranks everything from toppings, atmosphere, cheese, first bite impression, wait time, 
all that stuff. And we've been honestly going, if there's a new pizza restaurant in St. Louis, we go, we rate it. <laughs> and then it goes into this catalog that at one point my mom was like graphing and organizing and like, we've got our list. Spreadsheets. Um, spreadsheets. Um, we've got our list and, um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes people think that we're like legit food critics and we'll bring us free pizza. Sometimes the like head chef will come out. Family tradition we do whenever we get together now. I believe I've seen the rubric. Yeah. You grade I mean, the, it's, the crust and the initial taste, crust. the initial you know, bite. Yeah. First bite impression is one of my favorite categories. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those St. Louis listeners, what is the best pizza place in St. Louis? The problem with it, though, is that everything's relative, right? And so I think if you asked each of my family members, someone might say differently. But the, the two highest ranking ones that I know of kind of when we were doing this really often was La Pizza, which is in Del Mar. Okay. Tiny little place. And then PJ's. I don't know either PJ's. of those. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. PJ's is downtown somewhere, but I, I couldn't tell you where. Huh. That was my last knowledge of what was one and two. David, do you want to describe our Christmas traditions besides Dave and Buster's? And I can fill in the gaps. Christmas Eve, Dave and Buster's. We talked about that. That's the main tradition of Christmas Eve, I would say. Christmas morning, presents... Right after that, grandma, grandpa's house, presents with the 30 cousins, madness. Well, for the past like eight years, then I have my wife's grandma's uh, Christmas night dinner at in Eureka at the cousin's house. Yeah, it's pretty much Christmas day. Lots of house hopping. For sure. We have gone to the movies on Christmas, I believe, but I don't remember what movie we saw last on Christmas Day. I remember day. seeing Sherlock Holmes, the oh, yeah. Robert Downey. At the Pear Theater. On Christmas Day at the Pear Theater. Maybe we'll see Frozen 2 on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I haven't seen it yet. But we've seen Frozen 1, and I will say, in all honesty, this is just a complete coincidence that this episode is falling on Christmas Day. You know, we released the first episode at the beginning of the year, and I just planned it out one per week, and this one happened to fall on December 25th, and pretty nice coincidence there. The gods of Arendelle have smiled upon you. Indeed. (laughs) So, uh, with that, we'll move on to Frozen. And now, our feature presentation. Summer in the city of Arendelle. It couldn't be warmer. It couldn't be sunnier. But that's about to change forever. Arendelle. It's completely frozen. Cold, 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 cold. A real howler in July. Yeah? Frozen is inspired by Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale, The Snow Queen. It tells the story of a fearless princess who sets off on a journey alongside a rugged ice man, his loyal reindeer, and a naive snowman to find her strange sister, whose icy powers have inadvertently trapped their kingdom in eternal winter. Walt Disney Productions began exploring a possible live action slash animation film of author and poet Hans Christian Andersen, a movie about him, way back in 1937. This was before Snow White. In March 1940, Walt Disney suggested a co-production to film producer Samuel Goldwyn of MGM, where Goldwyn would shoot the live action sequences about Anderson's life, and Disney would make animated versions of the fairy tales, but that fell through. Uh, Little Mermaid is also a Hans Christian Anderson tale, as is Steadfast Tin Soldier, which you see in Fantasia 2000. 
But then that never happened back in the 40s. So uh, fast forward to the late 1990s, Walt Disney Feature Animation started developing a new adaptation of The Snow Queen after the incredible success of their Renaissance films. But the project was scrapped completely in 2002 when Glenn Keane reportedly quit the project and went on to work on Tangled. After this large number of unsuccessful attempts, uh, Disney shelved the project again. The next attempt started in 2008. By 2010, the project died again when the studio again failed to find a way to make the story of the Snow Queen work as a Disney movie. But now again in 2011, following the success of Tangled, Disney announced a new title for the film, Frozen, very similar to Tangled, like we talked about last on that episode, David. They had that called Rapunzel, and they're like, that's too girly, so we'll call it Tangled. And this, it's like Snow Queen, too girly. We'll call it Frozen. And they announced a release date of November 27, 2013. A month later, it was confirmed that the movie would be a computer animated feature in 3D instead of the originally intended hand-drawn animation. Boo. And uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez joined the project to start writing the songs they had worked on uh, Winnie the Pooh. So the cast of this movie, the main characters are Kristen Bell, who plays Anna. Idina Menzel, the Broadway star, plays Elsa. She originally auditioned for Tangled, but didn't get it. But they remembered her and brought her back for this. And uh, Josh Gad plays Olaf. To create the look of Frozen, the art director began pre-production research by reading extensively about the entire region of Scandinavia and visiting the Danish-themed city of Solvang in, uh, near L.A. I've, I've been to Solvang. It's this like weird little town in north of Los Angeles that just has like windmills and stuff. But eventually they zeroed in on Norway, not Denmark. 80% of the visuals that appealed to them were from, were from Norway. They did three research field trips to various places. They went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming to, to research walking, running, and falling in snow. They went to an, an, the Ice Hotel in Quebec City, Quebec, to study how light reflects and shines through snow and ice. And of course, they traveled to Norway to draw inspiration from its mountains, fjords, architecture, and culture. I don't know if you guys saw, I saw a picture of the costume department in Jackson Hole with uh, basically medieval garb and replicas of the costumes that the animated characters wear, running through the snow, falling down, not just, uh, you know. So they tested in, it out with the costumes? With the costumes. That's cool. It looked like it was uh, Downton Abbey meets Jackson Hole. <laughs> the Sound of Music was a major influence for the art director. And also the idea to animate this, film this, whatever, in CinemaScope widescreen. The, the wide aspect ratio was used occasionally in Disney movies, but not often. It was approved by John Lasseter to do that in order to get that nice, wide, uh, dramatic, epic aspect ratio. Fit all the fjords in the, in the shot. Uh, as I mentioned, during the production, the film's title was changed from The Snow Queen to Frozen. In order to create realistic snow in computers, they created a snow simulator. They called it they called it Matterhorn, which is fun. The tool was capable of depicting realistic snow in virtual environments and was used in at least 43 scenes in the film. The setting was principally based on Norway, as we've said, and the cultural influences in the film come from Scandinavian culture. There are several landmarks in Norway that appear in the film, including Akershus Fortress in Oslo, the Nadaros Cathedral in Trondheim, and the Bragen in Bergen. And there are numerous other typical cultural Scandinavian elements, as I mentioned, the fjords, and there's Viking ships and clothing, and uh, enough that they took the Norway pavilion in Epcot and basically turned it into Arendelle. Born of cold and winter, air and mountain rain combining. This icy force, both foul and fair, has a frozen harbor mine. 
the music in this movie, big part of this movie, as we all know, Let It Go became quite the sensation. The obnoxious sensation. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the songs for Frozen, as I said, were written by husband and wife songwriting team Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who had previously worked on the 2011 Winnie the Pooh. They also did the music for the Finding Nemo musical that's at Animal Kingdom. I have a friend who was in that. Really? Yeah. In what capacity? She was Nemo. Nice. Was that a full Actually, show? it was my wife's friend, okay. but I knew her also. Any other inside scoop? No, I can tell you nothing more about it. <laughs> The duo wrote 25 songs for the movie, of which eight made it in the final film, and uh, there were a few more that ended up on some deluxe soundtrack. I didn't bother to look that up. The score is by a guy named Christoph Beck. He has not done another animated Disney film, but he did Muppets Most Wanted. He did Edge of Tomorrow, that Tom Cruise movie, or uh, Live, Die, Repeat, whatever you want to call it. He did Ant-Man, and he did Trolls, so Christoph Beck did the score for this movie. Frozen premiered November 19th, 2013 at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. It was released worldwide, or at least in the United States, November 27th, the same year. It met great praise for its visuals, screenplay, themes, music, and voice acting. Some people even consider it one of the best Disney films of the last few decades. On January 31st of 2014, there was a sing-along version released in theaters where you could go sing along to the lyrics on the screen. The movie ultimately made over $400 million in North America and $890 million in, in other countries, so a total of $1.27 billion. It's the 15th highest grossing film of all time and the second highest animated film of all time behind, I believe, the new Lion King, which counts as animation. <laughs> um, it made $110 million in its opening weekend, so a huge, wow. a huge hit. It won the Oscar that year for Best Animated Feature, and it won Best Original Song for Let It Go. It also won a Grammy for its soundtrack and for the song Let It Go. So multiple Grammys, multiple Oscars. This movie is raking it in. Quite the international appeal as well. It was translated and dubbed into 41 different languages. Kind of some interesting information. They auditioned approximately 200 singers to fill the 41 slots for Elsa. And uh, over 900 different people participated in the voice cast in various languages for this movie. As I mentioned, Norway and Epcot has basically basically become frozen land. They turned the Viking ride, which was called, um, do you remember the name of that forest? No, I don't. The Viking boat ride was called, yeah, gosh, I'm about, drawing though. a blank, but it's now called Frozen Ever After. Gotcha. And uh, they've built the Akershus restaurant and there's meet and greets with the characters and it's Not basically, fun. it's basically Arendelle. It was called Maelstrom. Maelstrom. Ah, how could I forget? I think I went on it with you that time we went. It wasn't open then. <laughs> no, we didn't. They opened it, it like three, or, three or four years ago. We went on Maelstrom, probably. No, oh, that's what I'm talking about. No, because you only joined us for Magic Kingdom. Oh. No, talking about Epcot. Me. Whatever. Yeah, Frozen Ever After opened up, I don't know, a few years ago at Epcot. It's a, it's, it's a fun ride. And of course, Frozen 2 came out. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't gotten to it. You guys? Nope. 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 All right, well, we'll be talking about that. I think it's January 31st. Is that episode? Our final, our final movie on the list. So we're getting close. There was an animated short sequel called Frozen Fever, 
which must have premiered in front of some feature somewhere. There was also Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which premiered in front of Coco, and it's like 25 minutes long. Uh, I remember, yeah. do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I remember going to Coco. I knew there was a short. I knew it was Frozen, but it went on so long. There were people started, people started getting up and walking out like, cause they thought they were in the wrong movie. That's amazing. Um, it was originally intended to be broadcast on TV as like a Christmas special. And I guess that didn't mm. happen. And so they decided to release it as a short film. Most of those Pixar shorts that, you know, play in front of, usually in front of movies like Coco are like four minutes long. The little birds on the beach one. Yeah. Presto or, uh, for the birds bound Dumplings. bow. That one's called bow. What movie is that on before? That must have been in front of Incredibles or something. Piper. Yeah, Incredibles, Incredibles, Incredibles too. too. Yeah, Piper. So that's all I got. What do you guys got? So going back to like one of the early things, and I don't know if this is part of the reason why it finally gained traction. I'm sure there was like technical and financial reasons too, but one thing I was reading was that until they had actually penned the song Let It Go, Elsa's character was a lot more evil. Hmm. And I think that that might harken back to whatever the original story about the Ice Queen might have been. And then they, you know, after they wrote that song, they changed her demeanor to be more of just like an internal struggling young woman rather than a malevolent, you know, Maleficent type character. And I wonder if that, you know, in in the time that it came out, just had more traction I think it's also, it's just, it's a different dynamic. You're used to yeah. like bad guy versus good guy and they're, I mean, they may end up being related in secret, but. Which I think is kind of a hallmark of this whole film is itself. It's kind of taking a lot of those motifs that we expect and changing them in a lot of ways. Yeah. If you go on the Frozen Wikipedia page, there is an extensive description of the development of this movie. I did not feel like diving into most of that, but David, any other fun facts before we move on? Yeah. The scene where Elsa builds her ice palace. One frame took 30 hours to render. <laughs> Not if they had the new Mac Pro where you can get 1.5 terabytes of memory in it. And make nachos with the front. Yeah, Yeah. right. With the uh, the, the, the cheese grater. grater. I just got a new iMac that can support 128 gigabytes. I'm pretty happy about yep. that. I've got 64 in it and I've got two slots two slots free for when I feel like it. Very nice. One other one, the Oaken, the guy that ran that little shop on the mountain. It talks like this. Yeah. Go check out the sauna. He, the guy who voiced him, directed Big Hero Six, our movie next week. Hmm. Nice. So. That's a fun fact. I saw that the um, you guys might know this. The Arendelle symbol is a flower that symbolizes springtime and rebirth. And the other fact I thought that was super interesting was that the animators. They brought Adina Menzel into the studio and basically had her perform Let It Go multiple times so that they could animate like her. And I just, I find that so fascinating that they like, it's so personal for them to not just pick an actor or a person, but the expressions that you get, the body movement that you get with her singing just feels such like a personal approach to uh, making the animation come to life and feel very realistic. I thought that was really cool. Sure. And even if you don't know that, maybe something something about that subconscious, subconsciously can resonate with right. you and, and make it make it better and more emotional. It's just like when they, they, the new Les Mis film, which you can think whatever you think about it, but the fact that they, you know, brought an orchestra onto the set with them and they sang and performed them while they were acting rather than lip sync it. Yeah. It, you could just tell. You can just tell there's a difference about it. It is. I thought the movie was terribly boring but the performances are good <laughs> yeah 
they did the same in La La Land. Not every song, but right. the scene where I forget who the actor actress is. I'm trying to blank, but the scene where she does the audition near the end and she sings yeah. that pretty emotional song about her aunt or whatever. They actually had her sing that live. That's cool. And then just with like a piano in her ear or something, they recorded the orchestra afterwards to the rhythm of what she sang it at. I respect and that. I remember that. I remember being quite touched by that scene. And yeah. there's something about it. It just felt so real and raw. And it's because she's actually standing there singing it. And that's totally. what you're hearing. Totally. They couldn't, you couldn't actually see Adina Menzel, but they did what they could. The cold never bothered me anyway. Okay, Forrest, you yeah. talked, at least mentioned, on the first episode you were on with us, I, this might have been your number one movie on your top five. I think it is. Okay, so yeah. talk about your history with Frozen. Why do you love it so much? So a lot of the reasons are, you know, I think with anything, it, it like hits you at the right time when you watch it. Um, I I think I saw it four times in theaters <laughs> when, uh, when it came out. Remind me what year it was that it came out? 2013. 2013, okay, yeah. I was living in... Florida at the time, so maybe I was just really hot, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was the closest I could get to winter. But no, I really, I really enjoyed it for a lot of reasons. I think th- three main things that stuck out to me um, that I, as I pondered it as to why it meant so much. First is something we've talked already about: is just the attention to detail, and this isn't new to modern animation by any means. But the lengths that they went to study snow. The, they brought a meteorologist in to learn how snow crystals form. Just the fact that like they went that deep into it is fascinating to me. So I won't go back over what we already talked about, but that's, that's kind of the first thing. I think, secondly, I think it hits culture at the right time too, as far as movies go. I think that Elsa's message of having to hide something that I feel is really true about who I am and all the pain that comes with that is super authentic and relatable for so many people for so many different reasons, depending on your walk of life. And, and I think that also kind of can hit an older audience as well, um, beyond it just being a funny, lighthearted animated video, uh, movie. Josh Gad is like my kind of humor. So that just, uh, that gets me, it's just perfect for me. Um, Olaf is one of the best characters, but I think the kind of the the main thing that I love about it, and it happens all throughout, and we've already mentioned it a little bit, is like I won't say they made fun of their traditional like Disney motifs, but they definitely spun a lot of things on their head. You know, the fact that Anna falls in love within ten minutes, you essentially start rolling your eyes, thinking like this is going to be another one of those movies, and the whole movie is about changing that dynamic and flipping um, the notion on its head. And you see that in a few other ways. And I think like the the deeper takeaway that I took from that was like as a storyteller, I work in marketing, I'm, I make ads all the time, that we get so caught up in our like the traditions of how we think stories are supposed to go or how we want stories to go. And one thing that I learned when I was doing improv was whenever we thought of a line or a funny thing to say or a story we were supposed to stop and think of another line. And the second thing was always better than the first one. Uh, And so it's just an encouragement to like think of a story and then think of the story again and see is there a new, different, alternative, special way, a different ending, a different way that the characters can relate that is special and unique. Okay, David, had you seen Frozen before? 
Yes, I saw it in theaters with Danny, my wife. I was visiting her in Springfield, Missouri, one of our many long-distance college visits. And I remember seeing it with her and both of us being underwhelmed with the movie. It was hyped up. It was after it had been in theaters for a while. So there was lots of hype in the media and friends who absolutely loved it. And I didn't love it when I saw it then. I think I liked it a little more seeing it this time, actually, for some reason. I think maybe it was like overhyped when I saw it back then. And so we were like, it was fine, but I wasn't that impressed with it in 2013 for some reason. I did not see it in the theater. I remember that because I remember just buying it blindly on iTunes when it came out. Well, I didn't see this movie, but I hear it's good, so I'll pay 20 bucks for it or whatever it was. Because that's still cheaper than sitting in the theater with two people. So, and just watching it on my TV at home. That's my only real history of this movie. I know a lot about Frozen just because it's become pretty prominent in the Disney-verse and like in the Disney parks world. There were many temporary Frozen things put in the parks before they were able to spend the time to build to, to redo Maelstrom. I remember hearing reports of the Anna and Elsa meet and greet at Magic Kingdom having lines of more than five hours <laughs> because of how popular it was. So people just stand in line all day just to meet actors dressed up like these characters. I remember going to Disney's California Adventure, I think, in Anaheim, and they had like this temporary Frozen thing set up where they had a movie screen playing the songs where kids were singing along, and they had like a little hill they bent, they built that you could sled down. <laughs> it's just like anything they could do to milk Frozen, they did in the theme parks. In the theme parks, while they were waiting to develop an actual decent ride. And again, like I said, I've been on the Frozen Ever After ride, and it's it's very cool. It's very high tech. They were able to take a just a kind of a boring log flume and add a lot of technology to it. If you can, you can go find the video of it on, on, on YouTube, they have very high tech animatronics of the characters that sing the songs and their faces are like projected. So they're very realistic looking. They have like a life size version of one of those snow monsters that like breathes fog out at you as you go backwards down a hill. And it's cool. It's a, it's a cool ride. So I know a lot about Frozen just from, again, just from being deep in the, in the Disney world, but have only, had only seen it maybe twice, including that first time when I, when I bought it. Okay, so Forrest, you're a huge fan of this movie, but I know you just watched it again recently. Yeah. Is there anything new that stuck out or any any changes in your opinion? Or is it still the greatest movie ever made? <laughs> uh, I said greatest Disney movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of those things that I just mentioned were things that I started, I fleshed out more this time that I watched it. Even knowing that I had an appreciation for the attention to detail, I like saw new things that that surprised me um i think the fact that like olaf's character still makes me laugh Mm. by the way my roommates and i in new york would turn this on on saturday mornings while we made breakfast and hung out and we watched this movie so (laughs) (laughs) i do have a great affinity for this movie um and i've seen it probably in the teens as far as Mm -hmm. views so i can't say anything specifically new i think like the opening song stuck out to me this time, uh, just as a as a way to frame the rest of the movie that I didn't really notice in the past. Um, and the oh, the other thing that stood out was the song by the gnomes. How it, it, if we're thinking about that that message of 
Don't Let Them See uh, What's Inside of Me that Elsa's dealing with. That song is like the complete opposite of, hey, we're all works in progress. We're fixer-uppers. We like don't have it together, but we are going out with what we have. Um, you know, it's okay to be this way and there are people that will accept us and there's not a, you don't have to hide and be perfect. David, you haven't seen this near as many times as Forrest, but you just watched it again. Did you watch it on the airplane on the way home? On the way there to New York. Did you get any weird looks? Uh, no, but I kind (laughs) of hid my phone with my coat a bit. We talked a long time ago, like on the Dumbo episode, like way back about how we're embarrassed to watch these movies on airplanes. I mean, Frozen especially, I feel like it's like the... Eight-year-old girl's favorite movie. You know, I don't know. It's like such a kiddie movie. And no offense for us, yeah, but... Right. Yeah, offense taken. Okay. So, David, you've watched it again. Oh, by the way, what was what was the highlight of your New York trip? David just went to New York City to visit some friends. Probably going to 368 Gaming. Famous YouTuber Casey Neistat started like this creator incubator that's... Yeah. Hasn't really taken off, but it's still there and they're focusing more on like gaming stuff. So I had one of my other podcasts scheduled there that got canceled, but the guy still gave me a tour of the place and we played some Halo together in, in the basement. Nice. <laughs> so that was Did fun. you like see the 30 Rock Christmas tree or anything? Oh yeah. Yeah. We saw all the touristy okay. stuff too. Nice. Was that your first time to New York? Yeah, it was. What? Well, since you were you... a little kid, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. What was the best place you ate? We got pizza a few times, which I love New York style pizza. Like the, the thin crust is my favorite. We ate at a brunch place in Brooklyn, like right across from the Brooklyn Bridge, but I forget the name of it and it was amazing. That's awesome. Know. That's awesome. Well, it's better. The first time I visited New York, I ate at a Sabaro's. <laughs> so, <laughs> so whatever you said was going to be better than the first time I went. <laughs> You thought it was like a local place. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. That's like going to Italy and eating at an Olive Garden. I know. And the friend I was with like totally fell for one of those scalper comedy shows in Times oh Square. Like we, we were a mess. We were a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were with a couple locals. Our friends, Chris and Paige, who you probably know Paige Norman, now Fisher. Oh, yeah. So they, they showed us all the right places to go to. We didn't fall for any tourist traps. Lucky you. Anyway, Frozen, you watched it on the airplane to and from New York yeah. City. What did you, you think of it this time around? I really enjoyed the music. I really enjoyed the just the animation of the snow. I mean, we talked about how much work they put into making it look realistic and look cool. And that, that was definitely impressive. Just the whole transformation of the land and the building of her ice castle. I mean, it was all very impressive animation. Um, I didn't really enjoyed that troll song you mentioned i mean let it go and do you want to build a snowman are the iconic songs that i knew even before i saw the movie because my roommates would sing them all the time which they're good songs i enjoyed them i wasn't a huge fan of like the villain twist i saw coming a mile away at the end i thought they could have done something else there to make it a little less obvious that he was trying to take over the kingdom and everything well and we talked last week about how disney uses that a lot oh yeah yeah we did so story wise, like Elsa wasn't the villain. She was, you know, she was trying to protect Anna the whole time. And you knew that. Yeah. So I never really saw her as the villain. It was, it was either going to be the weasel guy or Wesselton. The- <laughs> yeah. Or the fiance. And so I saw that a mile away, even though I didn't remember exactly what was going to happen from when I saw it six years ago. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting. I read that the Do You Want to Build a Snowman kept being taken out of the movie in, out, in, out, in, out, and was on the verge of not even being in the film. Yeah. I mean, what, they wrote 20-something songs? Is that what I said yeah. earlier on? Yeah. That's a fun one. I think In Summer is probably my favorite sequence in the movie. Oh, yeah. Very fun. <laughs> I drink in my hand, my snow up against the burning sand, probably getting gorgeously tanned in summer. I have a question. This time, when I, the last time that I watched it, after Elsa builds her ice castle and before they show up and talk to her, what does she do in her ice castle? There's nothing <laughs> yeah. in there. Maybe she can go into hibernation or something. She just sleeps? Yeah. It is pretty boring. Maybe she made other snow creatures and hung out with them and then just killed them. <laughs> Maybe there's a dungeon of fil- filled with other snow creatures she had in the basement we didn't well, see. Well, if she can make a giant palace out of ice, she can probably like make a television. That's true. Or a little or a little puppet theater. Like a radio. We don't know that's what, what year this takes place in. That's probably what Frozen 2 is about. Yeah. <laughs> Elsa makes a 65-inch flat screen. Yeah. Frozen 2. I was just going to ask, why did this movie do so ridiculously well? Was it marketing? Was it just the ke- two ke- really catchy songs in it? Like, a lot of people loved it, obviously, because it did so well. But there has to be... Like, what differentiated this from tangled which i thought was a really solid movie and this one just blew up and the other ones around this time didn't it's so strange i mean no offense to forrest but this was obviously a huge hit with like little girls and i think it's because (laughs) (laughs) i told you (laughs) but i think it has a lot to do with there's two princesses so you get like double and like they were in cool dresses and they're sisters and it's like Beautiful and snowy and Christmassy and little kids like that kind of stuff too. And their sisters and Olaf's really funny and really memorable and easy to make a stuffed animal out of. And I think it had been a while since we had like a straight up Disney princess movie. You know, Tangled, yeah. I don't even really think counts. Princess and the Frog is fantastic, but it's the same formula, but it's it's kind of disguised in you know in a bayou. There's no castle. There's no right. real princess. I mean, there is, but it's it's not the same. Even though I love that movie, so you're going all the way back to well, Mulan. I don't even know if that counts. You're going back to Beauty and the Beast, which I mean, she's yeah. not a princess there either. But you know what you know what I'm saying. It's it's yeah. been a long time since we've had something like that, like Cinderella, like Snow White, like Sleeping Beauty, those classics been forever and so i imagine that has something to do with it yeah i think you're right yeah for sure i think the casting was right uh, like across the board i think there's something i just think adina menzel made that song famous because it was her in a lot of ways too i don't who did the voice of rapunzel in entangled uh Right, if we can't think of it right away. I mean, I think that it goes to show. Yeah. Like, you know, like that song stuck out in a way that Mandy I don't Moore. think us... Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore. Just, I mean, Adina Menzel just, you know, from, from Wicked all the way, you know, through Glee and all yeah, that Yeah, I mean, her, just, her singing voice is fantastic. And they, and, they, and they wrote that song, obviously catered towards her, or maybe not, but they found the right voice for it. They had the same thing in Frozen 2. I don't know if you've listened to the soundtrack for that mm-hmm. yet, but they have the new song called Into the Unknown. There's not a lot of people who can sing that song. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Except for the guy from Panic at the Disco, right. who does the uh, pop version of it. Into the unknown. I think too the changing storylines with how it ends, not with the the prince being able to save the day, but the sister 
affinity love for each other helped that as well and now i'm i don't the other animated movies that year that were nominated for were the crudes despicable me too Ernest and Celestine and the wind rises. So I don't <laughs> what <laughs> exactly. So excuse you. Wow. They picked a good year. They did pick a good year to take the animated world by storm. There was no Pixar movie that year. Oh, well, at least that got nominated. Hang on. I'm pulling it up. Well, if there was one, it's probably nominated. Monsters University came out in 2013. Mm. Yeah. That wasn't so, that great. That wasn't that great. Yeah. They, yeah. The, they just, they hit it right. Yeah. My biggest gripe with this movie is that it kind of forgets that it's a musical about halfway through. You get bombarded with songs at the beginning. It's that opening song, which I don't know what the opening song is called, but like the one that actually sounds kind of Norwegian. Beware the frozen heart. And then they abandon the whole idea of making the song sound like they're from Norway. And then you get Do You Want to Build a Snowman for the first time in forever. Love is an open door. Let it go. In summer. Fixer upper. And then they stop. They decided to just. Yeah. There's no like there's no dramatic end, ending song, like yeah. of the emotional ending. There's no yeah. There's no finale. I I've always found that odd with this yeah. movie. I think that like yeah, it begins at this as this pretty. I mean, it's a fast paced, fun Disney musical. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, despite the fact they wrote 25 songs, they just kind of abandon that, and that's always bothered me sure. with this movie. I think that's uh. I think it's a common pitfall that musicals in general fall into. And I won't say pitfall just because if you think about what a song in a musical is, it usually is there to advance character development or like internal thought and sometimes plot, but not usually. And by the time you're getting to the second act of a musical, you realize like, oh, we need to have some dialogue so that we can (laughs) actually finish this story. Uh, and so you end up getting these second acts of musicals that are way more dialogue heavy than uh, than the first act, just because it's a lot harder to fit in songs. But I do agree that if it wanted to be a musical, it, it needs to at least have a finale of some sort yeah. or a, repri- it, a reprise or something. When Summer yeah. came back, they could have had a city celebration song of some sort. And they all yeah. could have sang In Summer together, yeah. in like some epic orchestral reprise. And, they, and they, I guess they kind of, they, if you're thinking in like a meta way, they do bring this main song back in the credits as like a movie, full movie musical. That doesn't count. I know you're going to say that doesn't count. And it's like Demi Lovato singing it or something, right? Oh, whatever. <laughs> Haters going to hate. <laughs> Let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore, let it go, let it go. Speaking of the songs, I wanted to bring up kind of a funny story about Let It Go. I'll try to play this for you. I think I can get it through the system. On, on November 24th, 2017, a guy named Jamie Sierra, a, a Latin music artist, sued Demi Lovato, Adina Menzel, and Walt Disney Animation Studios. And a, and a number of others related to the song Let It Go, accusing them of ripping off his 2008 song called Valar. I'll, uh, I'll play you some Valar real quick. See, let me know if you can hear this. Hang on, where is it? There it is. Okay, here we go. <laughs>
I mean, I, I, I hear some similarities. No, that's like me singing happy birthday <laughs> and suing Pitbull. <laughs> so uh, it was ruled in court that the original songwriters, the Lopez's, would be released from the lawsuit due to uh, statute of limitations and, and something about copyright claims. And I think it was ultimately dropped, but uh, it was pretty funny. That's hilarious. And I th- thought of one more frozen in the theme park thing. There is a at Disney's California Adventure. There's a live show, basically a condensed version of the frozen Broadway show that they play in a giant theater there, the Hyperion Theater in Disney's California Adventure. So it's one more frozen theme park thing I forgot about. Gotcha. And it's on it's on Broadway now, right? It is. Yeah. As far as I know. When I was in New York two years ago, it was there. So yeah. we saw Aladdin instead. I've heard that's a great Broadway Which show. It was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, we've been talking about Frozen for a while. Forrest, we need a rating system specific to Frozen. Okay. You're going to do um, how many snowmen tall? Like, you know, snowmen's got like balls on top of what's each the, other. What's the tallest we can get? The abominable snowman part of it that throws them out of the ice castle. How many numbers? How many, how many balls? <laughs> so we'll go up to uh, we'll go to twenty. <laughs> 20. Okay. You have a, a snowball to an abominable snowman. That's a twenty snowballs worth. All right. So Forrest, give us your rating of Frozen out of twenty giant snowballs, and give us your your final thoughts. I, I will call it perfect, but it is definitely one of my favorites. So I, you know, I'll give it a sixteen or a seventeen snowballs out of twenty snowballs. The more I think about it, the more I think the cast was just phenomenal. It gets it gets my sense of humor. I think it culturally hits hit in the right time. I think they brought back some old Disney princess like motifs and yet spun them on their head. And I think it was really great. All right, David, out of twenty, what'd you give Frozen one? I give Frozen fifteen snowballs. I think it's a little bit overrated. I think the story, it just didn't thrill me, but everything around the movie, like the music and animation, everything was top notch. So I enjoyed that part. Yeah, I I was expecting to think Olaf was annoying, but I really didn't. I thought he brought some good humor to the movie as well. And I thought all the voice acting was great. A good movie. Mike, how many snowballs? I think I'm like it. 12 out of 20 as you mentioned for us the the animation's amazing the detail that went into this is amazing the songs are very good there's a reason why it's so popular there's just nothing in it to me that like really strikes a chord with me and again like the the twist is like you said david predictable and kind of dumb and 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 again I, i i feel like it has a little bit of an identity crisis partway through and just skips to like an action movie when it was a musical at some point but yeah it's it's fine definitely not landing in my top 10 or 15 or 20 but <laughs> it's a solid entry into the into the disney catalog um and certainly has quite the cultural impact on our on our pop culture world today so with that a, a another uh, special merry christmas to all of our listeners thank you for joining us today under the mistletoe and uh forest use it was great to have you back hey thanks so much i hope uh hope i will be back for frozen 2 maybe you very well could be we might have to have a spectacular invite all of our guests back for our final episode <laughs> exactly that'd be fun and david i'll see you on christmas you guys can come over for <laughs> senegal yes you can't marry a man you just met 
great, great life advice for everyone on this Christmas day. It's like a fortune cookie. All right, and remember, you can find the show everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. Please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, go back to our old episodes and follow along with Disney Plus if you have that. Woohoo, big summer blowout. There you go, that's better. Once again, Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next week with Big Hero 6. So we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, that one's good. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast.